0: It's lovely to be stood here Uh, and thank you all for your welcome so far. If I haven't said hello, I look forward to meeting you and saying hello today or in the weeks to come. Um, I wonder what real, genuine celebration looks like for you. What do you do? What causes you to celebrate Maybe uh, Burns Night last week was a great opportunity uh, for celebration in your house. You got uh, down with a haggis or whatever you do in Scotland. Uh, I haven't quite got my head around Burns Night yet. That will come, I'm sure. Uh, or perhaps a cause for celebration for you will be the r- rugby next weekend, England, Scotland. Uh, which way will you celebrate? Some of us will be in misery, no doubt, and some of us will be celebrating. Maybe when you think about celebration, you think about the birth of a baby and that moment where you're just dying to tell everybody about that birth. Or when you've got a new contract at work and that feeling of real celebration, you get Or or maybe uh, you're a sports person or you support a team and your team have won a tournament or a match and you join in with that mental, I don't quite get it, jumping around hugging complete strangers thing that people do uh, when they celebrate. Or maybe you just passed an exam and you experience uh, that great moment, that mixture of celebration and complete relief and you celebrate appropriately. But I wonder how many of us associate moments of celebration with prayer. How many of us associate those moments of real celebration with moments of prayer? Yet here we heard in our reading from Luke's Gospel the prayer of Mary. And she's expressing her praise to God in first century celebration. She says this, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. I like the way that the message version of the Bible puts it uh, where Mary declares, I'm bursting with God news and I'm dancing the song of my Saviour God. I'm bursting with God news. Now some people think that Mary's song is a very quiet and reflective prayer. But I think that this prayer, this whole prayer is one of exuberant praise and celebration and declaration. I can almost imagine uh, Mary dancing around as she sings this song of praise, you know, arms flung wide as she declares, uh, for the mighty one has done great things for me, holy is his name. And so, as we go on a journey over the next few weeks to explore more of what it means for us to be a a church and a people of prayer, I think there are a number of questions that arise from Mary's outpouring of praise that can help us and challenge us as we walk this journey together. So, the first question uh, I've got for us to consider this morning is this Is your God big enough? Is your God big enough? Mary is just letting herself go in the presence of God. She has no pretenses before him. She is simply declaring the praises of her heart. I wonder, when did you last have a moment like that, where you were so filled with the praise of God that you just let go before him and abandoned yourself in that moment of celebration and praise? Uh, Now I know we're not all extrovert expressives here and those of us who are Scots or English are genetically repressed in the abandoning our inhibitions front, but how can we all in our own way let ourselves go and be fully real in our praise of God? The missionary Simon Gillibau, some of you uh, might know of him or follow his blog, tells the story of when he was at a candlelit carol service at HTB in London. And God was obviously touching people's lives during that service. Uh, And not prone to great manifestations of the Holy Spirit, he recalls how during the service he felt a warm glow on the back of his head. And as he continued to worship God, uh, the glow was undeniable. And he began to declare, God, if this is you, I love you. I surrender my all to you. Make me holy and more useful to you. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere for you. After a minute or so of this sort of praying and praising, he said that the heat actually got so intense that it was almost unbearable. And he was like, whoa, what is God doing in my life? And so he opened his eyes and he looked up, and there, three feet above him, was a chandelier le- leaking hot wax down the back of his head. LAUGHTER But even in that comedy moment, Simon recognised that he needed to be more open to the power of the Holy Spirit, the magnificence of God in his prayer. He had, by accident, had his faith in God enlarged in that moment. This prayer of Mary is often called the Magnificat, uh, because uh, in the Latin version, the first line of the prayer translates as, my soul magnifies the Lord. I love that idea of your soul magnifying God. Mary is saying, my very being magnifies you, God. And when we magnify something, we make it bigger, don't we? We make it bigger than it's previously been. And isn't this what some of us need to do tonight, today, this morning, even in our relationship with God, to magnify him, to make him bigger in our lives. Maybe make him bigger in the life of this church. Maybe you've been a Christian uh, for some time and you've made Jesus a little bit like God in my pocket. A small, handy, charm-like character which you bring out every so often and ask him to sort out little aspects of your life. But generally, you keep Jesus in there, in that small corner of your life. And if we're really honest, we keep him a bit smaller, and less important than ourselves or maybe Jesus is big in your life on a Sunday or in your connect group or wherever you go but he's compartmentalized you're not letting Jesus or your faith in him permeate your whole life and so the question to all of us is does Jesus need to be made bigger in yours and my life Do we need to declare with Mary, my soul, my very being magnifies the Lord? The challenge to me and to all of us is to make sure the size of our faith corresponds to the vastness of our God. Does the size of our faith correspond to the vastness of God? Secondly, second question, do we praise God simply because of who he is or only because of what he's done? Do we praise God because of who he is at the center of everything? Let me ask us, when do we tend to praise God? When things are going well, when we've passed an exam, when we've had a promotion, when someone's become a Christian, when we're in church singing amazing songs of praises to God, when your prayer is answered, when things are going right? And to be honest i find it miles easier to praise god in those sorts of moments yet here we have mary and we have the situation she's in and we hear her words of praise and let's face it on the surface of things things aren't life isn't going really well for mary in this moment A few weeks before, an angel has rocked up in her lounge and the first words he declares to her are, Mary, do not be afraid. And she's like, "Um, you're just about to tell me uh, that I'm not to be afraid and in the next breath you're about to tell me that I'm going to have a baby who's going to be the saviour of the world and I'm a teenager and I'm not married and the punishment for sex outside marriage, and let's face it, everybody is going to think I've had sex outside marriage, is stoning to death you're telling me do not be afraid mary's pregnancy was incredible a gift from god miraculous but it did not do her any immediate favors uh, in her uh, small town of nazareth i'm sure it did not make her flavor of the month there or somebody to be set up as a holy godly example she cannot have been in a completely good place and yet And yet in the middle of this situation, her response is not to plead to God in sackcloth and ashes to change her situation, to rescue her, to make it not happen, but she chooses to praise God and thank him. She chooses to see God at work in her situation, to recognize that she is party to God's working his salvation purposes out in the world. She chooses to give God the glory despite of, and in in fact because of, her circumstances. (laughs) Now let me just acknowledge at this point that complaining and pleading and lamenting and moaning is an important part of prayer. It's not wrong to do that. We don't all have to be happy and crazy all the time. Splashed all over the pages of the Bible, our people having a really good moan at God. And some of us may well be in that sort of place this morning, where life is a struggle and we just need to pour out our hearts to God about what's going on for us today. But despite this, despite our circumstances, the challenge to us all from this prayer of Mary is to give God the glory still because of who he is. Not just because of what he's doing for us in that particular point in time. Not just because of that prayer he's answered for us. We praise him simply because of who he is, that he loves us, that he's forgiven us, that he's set us free. We're told to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Not to fix our eyes on the obstacles that sometimes get in the way and cause us to trip up in life. And we're able to give God the praise and the thanks if we fix our eyes on the cross and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the life that we can have in him. Only Hallersby, in his book on prayer, speaks of his own experience here when he says this. When I give thanks, my thoughts still circle about myself to some extent. But in praise, my soul ascends to self-forgetting adoration seeing and praising only the majesty and power of God, his grace and redemption. So Mary chose to praise. If we want to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus, which I hope we all do here this morning, we will need to choose to praise him just because of who he is, not necessarily how great our life is or not at the moment. Third question. Do we prioritise giving thanks and rejoicing in God our Saviour? Do we actually rejoice in what God has and is doing in our lives and in this world? Uh, Richard Foster, in his really famous book on prayer, talks about how God is genuinely delighted by our expressions of gratitude. I've brought something to show you this morning. Uh, This delightful object is a card made from from one of my children, by one of my children when they were four years old. Uh, And it's just a card saying, uh, thank you for being my mum. It's got my name on the front, Libby Toll, but there you go, just in case I didn't know who it was for. It's not a particularly amazing work of art, I think you'd agree. Um, Don't tell any of them that I didn't think it was amazing. Um, But I love it. And I'm delighted in it because it's an expression of the love that they were showing me at that point in time. It's not beautiful, but it's gorgeous and it delights me. And I'm not likely to turn around to them as they give me this lovely little card uh, uh, and say to them, well, actually, thanks, but that's not really very good or it's not good enough. And our Father God is unlikely to do that to us as well. In the account of the ten lepers healed by Jesus, Jesus delights in the one who returns to express his thanks to him. When the woman comes and bathes Jesus' feet with her tears, he's moved by that lavish expression of love that she gives him. Jesus loves our offerings of thanks and praise and rejoicing that we give to him. And there's so much we have to give thanks for, isn't there? In Mary's song of praise we heard read, she's declaring the reasons that she wants to give God the glory. Now, in my three weeks uh, here uh, working on the staff team, I've noticed that Tom Wright is the theologian of choice. I've heard him mentioned more uh, than not. Uh, But I have to say that I think he's a pretty good guy as well. And I love Tom Wright. So I'm really sorry those of you who think it's a bit boring that we always go on about Tom Wright. Hopefully we go on about Jesus a little bit more. Um, uh, Anyway, Tom Wright says uh, about Mary's song of praise that what Mary is doing is proclaiming the gospel before the Gospel. Mary's song of praise is the Gospel before the Gospel. It's a song of celebration of Jesus before Jesus is born. Mary declares He is merciful. He performs mighty deeds. He challenges the proud and puts them in their rightful place. He lifts up the humble and fills the hungry with physical and spiritual food. He is the one who will do all this. He is the Savior. It's a prayer of praise about the gospel before the gospel. And I think that gives us a lot of reason to give God thanks and praise today. And what strikes me here too about Mary's prayer, it's, it's just not reactionary praise due to the situation she's found herself in. Yes, that's part of her song. Part of her song is thanking God for choosing her. But Mary's praise is much bigger uh, than her reaction to her own situation. She's declaring what God has done, who God is, and what God is going to continue to do in the world. She's lifting her eyes up beyond herself, and there's always reason to give him thanks and praise. I love the words of uh, Psalm 121, which funnily enough come after Psalm 120. Uh, And in Psalm 120, we hear the psalmist declaring, uh, I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. That's how Psalm 120 goes on a bit longer. And then we get to Psalm 121. And I don't know whether it's an accident or a deliberate move that the collator of the Psalms puts Psalm 121 after Psalm 120. Maybe somebody cleverer than I will be able to tell me. But in Psalm 121, the psalmist declares this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The psalmist begins with that reminder that sometimes we just need to look up And see beyond our own situations to the God who is the creator, the sustainer, who won't let our foot slip, who is the savior, who loves us, the one who is before all things and will continue to be. The one who loves us beyond measure, the one who deserves our praise simply because of who he is. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, verse 18 and in it we're commanded to do this, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoicing, giving thanks, it's an essential part of prayer and God's will for us in Christ Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. In June last year, uh, a young man called Armel was killed and his body was burnt in Burundi by a mob opposed to the politics uh, that he represented and espoused. Armel was a brave and an inspirational young man uh, for those who were living life with him at that time. But one of the things that struck me most when I heard about his story was the post that he put on facebook on christmas day 2014 not knowing that six months later he would be killed and this is what he wrote each morning when you wake up begin by thinking of joy and love instead of turning your mind to the day's chores say lord i thank you that i'm still alive that i can breathe eat walk see hear think love for these are incredible gifts then get out of bed joyfully and learn to even be thankful for each problem, which is the best way of overcoming it. If you begin complaining or getting upset, you'll be even more weighed down. But if you say, thank you, Lord, there must be a reason for this obstacle. I need to learn something through it. You'll find your difficulties turning into precious stones. Nothing can resist gratitude. Thank him for what you have and what you don't have. For what brings you joy and even for what makes you suffer even when unhappy find something to be thankful for that is how you will embody the flame of life really powerful words from a really young man who died this last year in my previous ministry uh, life was extremely busy and it was often like being on a treadmill of one thing after another I was involved in some really exciting ministry, talking to people about Jesus every day and walking on, uh, on people's journeys uh, with him and seeing some really amazing transformations in people's lives. And yet, things could sometimes still seem mundane because on the treadmill, the busyness of life, it meant that stopping and reflecting and praising God for what he was doing was often pushed to the back burner. And so during Lent, a couple of years ago, I was challenged to keep a Thanksgiving diary. And the idea was that every evening I would stop and reflect over the last 24 hours and just jot down a couple of things uh, to be thankful uh, to God for. Uh, And this is my Thanksgiving diary. And in it, you'll find things like... I haven't looked at it for ages, actually. I'm really bad. Uh, Things like... um, 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 thank you for more, my friends I did find a page earlier that said thank you for dairy milk chocolate uh, really important things but a lot of it was just saying thank you God for saving so-and-so thank you for what you're doing in that person's life at the moment and I wasn't actually very good at doing it to be honest because once I started I found that it took too long to do there was just so much to stop And be thankful and to praise God for so much to think about what God had done and to give him praise for and sometimes we're so caught up in life that we don't take time to pause and to look and acknowledge and praise God for who he is and what he's doing in our lives and the lives of the people around us and the lives of the wider world and I wonder too If there is enough of a culture here in this church and generally in the wider Christian world of sharing with each other what God has done in our lives and giving Him thanks and praise for that. When we ask each other this morning, when we turn and chat over our cup of coffee, how are you? How are things? We might share eagerly our feelings about our family or what's going on in our work or where we're planning to go on holiday, but how readily do we share? What God has done and is doing in our lives at the moment, or in our families' lives, or what God has done this week, or an answer to prayer that you've had. One of the things that I find most inspiring and encouraging as a disciple of Jesus is hearing what God is doing in people's lives. And it doesn't have to be anything wild either. You don't need to have an amazing story every time. Even the ordinary is extraordinary when God is at work. Even the extraordinary is extraordinary when God is at work. And as we do this, we'll be encouraging a culture of celebration, of praise and thanksgiving, as we acknowledge and recognise that God is at work in our lives and in this world today in 2016. I think it's great to talk about this. And you could all be sat there thinking, oh, that's a great idea. But can I challenge us to actually start to do it today? To engender a culture of thanksgiving and praise and celebration in our lives and in this church And maybe you want to do something before you leave church today. And so I've just popped at the back on a table, a whole load of post-it notes that look like this. Uh, There was a thing that said thank you above it, but most of them have fallen off the wall now. Uh, And if you've got a minute on your way out of church this morning, just pause there, grab a pen, reflect. Is there something that you want to give praise and thanks to God for today? And just jot it down on those post-it notes. And maybe when you go past, again, when you've had your cup of coffee, have a look at what some of the people have written on there. And I absolutely guarantee it will encourage you. It will enlarge your faith in Jesus, that he is at work in our world today, and that we've got a huge amount to give him thanks and praise for. So as we finish, those three questions, again, uh, that spring from Mary's rather exuberant uh, song of praise. Is God big enough in your life, in my life? Do we praise God simply because of who he is or only just because of what he did answering our prayer this week? Do we prioritize giving thanks and rejoicing in God our Savior? Let's just bow our heads to pray.